five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to everything you need to know about music. Where tonight I, Jason, am sitting with my friend Kevin. Say what's up, Kev. Hello, Jason. Hello, listeners. And Michael. Say what's up, Mikey. Hello, Jason. How you doing, gentlemen? Doing, doing well. well. Good. Oh, in, oh, yeah. uni- in unison. Yeah. Um, let's get. Go ahead. So can you tell we're brothers? Yeah, exactly. Same time, same tone, same everything. Um, my dad, oh, maybe a month or two ago when you guys had done a podcast, said, I don't know which brother is which sometimes. And I said, really? I said, that's, that's interesting. I said, because I've known them so long. I said, it's like obvious to me. But he said, you guys sound the same. So, which, do I need to like change my voice? <laughs> <or something? laughs> Throw it a little Get bit. Get a real deep gravel. Anyway, tonight, Kevin is going to do an essential album, which I don't know. Mikey, I don't think you know either which one. I did not. No. Right? So that's kind of, that's kind of cool. Uh, but before we get to that, let's do our segment. This is my jam where we talk about the songs we're listening to now and what's kind of playing in our ears as we drive around and work out and hang out with music. Mikey, you want to go first? Sure thing. Okay. All right. I'm just going to play it for you and then I'll say a few things after. Okay. So here, this is my jam today. I don't know if I know it. I don't know it yet. Yeah. Should I know it? Probably not. Okay. Me neither. Probably not. Is it on the Mikey theme of your favorite band? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Oh. Is it off their new album? Yes, it is. Okay. Is it a deep track or like a single that they came out with? This is a single. Okay. Would I have guessed it's them? Yeah, you I would have. Now you can tell it's. Can I wait? It's Dave. No, it's a little more mellow than I. Mellow. Yeah. I and dig there's, it. There's two voices. Yeah. Someone else in the band or someone will go solo in a second. Is it a feature or someone else in the band? Feature. Ooh. Female. Yep. Right here. Oh, I don't know if I recognize it. I recognize it. I can't think of who it is, though. So this is called Show Me How. Okay. And... Uh, so I think I talked about it a little bit, but you know, this is their new album after Taylor's death. Six months later, Dave's mom died. Oh, wow. He had a lot of rough stuff going on. Huh. I think this is a kind of a high point in the album. That's it's mellow, like you said, and I think it's special that singing with him on this track is his daughter Violet. No, oh, that's yeah. cool. So, that's very cool. She's got a great voice. They mesh well quite yep. well together. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. What, and what's the name of this Foo Fighters album again? It's called um, But Here We Are. Yeah. Okay. That's very right. nice. Okay. It's a good jam. Like it. All right. Um, Kev, you go next. All right, gentlemen. Tonight, this is my jam. I feel like I know that riff. 
It's it's a similar riff. Oh yeah. I didn't think you guys would know this. No. Cool voice. Ooh. Ooh, it's well produced. I like the sound. Hmm. The producer's gonna be a big part of this one. The, the what is? Sorry, the producer will be a big part of why this is my jam. Really? Yeah, it's a familiar voice, though. Yeah, is it familiar? No, I don't. We think don't know it. I don't think you will. Oh, I do like it though. So that opening riff, it sounds like "Heart Full of Soul" Tough from like, from the Yardbirds, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't stolen from them though. Or at least they didn't. They never claimed. It. Okay. Um, so near, 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 right, near, very near, similar. Near. Yeah, yeah. So this is Sam Phillips. Um, and the song is called Same Changes from her 1994 album, Martinis and Bikinis. Okay. And uh, by the way, her real name is actually Leslie Ann Phillips. Okay. Um, but she decided to use the nom de plume. Wait, wait, wait. I can't say that. <laughs> I mean, stage name, That's Sam, right. instead. That's very funny. Thank uh, you. Not to be confused with the much more famous Sam Phillips, who was Jason the more famous Sam Phillips, uh, the uh, produ- the uh, like the uh, record owner of Sun Records, the producer, producer and, founder and founder of Sun Records, yeah, yeah. Um, who had artists like Johnny Cash, Roy Orbison, Jerry Lee Lewis, and of course, and who else, Jason? My favorite, Elvis Presley. So yes, Elvis Presley. But unlike Elvis, this <laughs> Sam Phillips, she wrote her own songs. <laughs> Okay. Wow, you're just giving it to me early right there. Hey, Even man, in the, gotta, this is gotta, my jam. Got to go right off the bat here because right, I might not have another opportunity. Um, okay, you're probably wondering why I chose this song. Yeah, it's a cool and song, I, though. I, I mentioned. So do you want to take a guess at who produced that? But, but I say it's from, it's from 1994. Oh, man. It, 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 what? No, I don't. All right, I, give, I would I'll, have to ask too many questions. I will give you a hint then. Okay. It's by the same guy that produced one of your very, very recent jams. In fact, I think the one either on James Brown or on Plasticona Band. Ooh. The name of the band? You want to give you the name of the band? Yeah. The New Basement Tapes. Oh. No kidding. Uh, what's his face? Um, the dude. The guy. Give me the first letter. T. T-Bone. T-Bone Walker. T-Bone Phillips. No. t I'm close though. You're very close. It's T Bone and then the T Bone Burnett. T Bone Burnett. God. That's correct. Damn it. So I bring up Mr. Burnett okay. because on that episode when you use that song, I incorrectly stated that his wife was Shania Twain. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Shania's husband <laughs> uh, is and now was because they are divorced. Um, is a, is a famous record producer, but it's Mutt Lang. Oh, okay, that's Shania Twain's ex-husband. T-Bone is married to none other than the excellent singer and songwriter you hear here, Miss Sam Phillips. Oh, that's why this is your jam. So, it's a bit of like a corrective editorial like rebuttal or whatever. So that's why I asked Jason before we started the podcast, do we have any mailbag questions? Because I was worried that somebody nailed me on that. So I figured gotcha. I would bring it to the forefront on my own and use This Is My Jam this week to correct my mistake. Uh, but this is a tune that I've actually loved for many, many years. How come we've never heard her? Um, is it not, country? Is it Americana? Is it alternative? What is like, it? Like, kind of alternative, maybe a little alt country. It's little, good. It's yeah, really good. She just never really hit the mainstream. That's pretty good. All right. Well done. And speaking of mailbag, if you do want to email us with questions, comments, or concerns, uh, you can email at everythingmusicpodcast at gmail.com. 
All right, for me, this has been my jam. Mine will be quick and simple. This is Ain't It Fun by Paramore. And her voice is insane. I don't mind. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. You know her name? I do not. Haley Williams? Okay. Should I, should I know her name? You should. Okay. Yeah. The band is really good, but she does a lot of things with other artists as well, and she like, tours quite a bit and kind of pops up on stage at Lollapalooza and all the other like music festivals and just kind of sits in with people, and she's quite an amazing singer. But this seems like pretty much straight pop. Oh, it right? is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, rock pop. Yeah. Rock yeah. pop. Yeah. But yeah. It's, not, it's not alternative, though, right? This came out in 2013, but I love the hook. In fact, they're, they're really catchy hooks. Ain't it fun? So anyway, it's got right. a little bit of an 80s and 90s sort it of song. It does, yeah, right? it, It's kind of in my wheelhouse. Jay. It yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Do you know this album? I know Paramore? the song. I don't know the whole album, no. Oh, okay. Do you know the other hit, the biggest hit that they ever had was Still Into You? This song. Because if you like this album, it's the whole album's like this. You know this song. Watch. I'm sure I do. In four seconds, you'll know it. Can come the years, yeah. 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 She's really good. It's yeah. a cool album. It's I mean, like I know them casually. I don't know. I understand. Like, yeah, you know, gotcha. hear it on the radio. I don't think I've ever heard this one. Get out of here. The other this one is their sure. biggest hit. It's, not a walk in the park. it's good. All right. Anyway, that's my jam. That's Paramore. Ain't it fun? And then also still into you. All right, Kev, you are up. Which album are we going to be discussing this evening? All right, tonight, gentlemen, I am chronicling another album, two in a row here for me. While my last one was the very heavy and emotional John Lennon slash Plasticona band. Yeah. The best post-Beatles solo album. Second best, yeah. <laughs> okay. Second best. I'm sp- you, you got a little bit of, maybe not a mailbag, but some people that you know. I did get comments. Said I, I got some calls, wrong, right? calls and texts saying, uh, great album, definitely worth doing. Not the best, though. Gotcha. But these were all very much friends of mine who know what I like. We <laughs> probably took my side on that. And we're just trying to make you feel better. Okay. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and very big Paul fans. Okay. So... You know, uh, there's a bit of a John Paul kind of thing there, but I got you. I got you. Well, so tonight though, I'm going for an album that is just nothing but good old rock and roll music. Oh wow! Okay, and I believe it's a descendant of the other essential album that I that I did. Do you remember which one that was? Uh, The Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones. Exile on Main Main Street. Yep. Yep. Okay. And I think you're going to hear some of the parallels, and I'll play some of that for you tonight. Okay. Um, So this record was released in February of 1990. Ooh. And the title is named for a blues song. By Elmore James. Let me play that real quick. I'm trying to guess. This is the Elmore James this blues? This is the Elmore James okay. blues song. All right. So blues, I love it. Shake your money maker. Shake your money maker? Shake your money maker. Shake your money maker. Holy smokes. Do you know who... Made this album in February of 1990 called Shake Your Money Maker. I feel like I do. Wait a minute. I feel like I should. Yeah, right. Especially Mikey, 1990. This is right in your your zone. Wait, I do, Kev. I know that I've seen that before, Shake Your Money Maker. Mikey, where have we seen that? I have too. Yeah. Can you give us a very small hint? Uh, There was four songs from it. Um, for singles, I should say, that 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 came out of it. Um, A hint about the band. It's named after... The band, band is? is named after a cartoon group of birds. Wow. 
What? They use they use pictures of those birds to represent them. Let me put it that way. What? You, you ever heard of come on guys. Heckle and Jekyll? I know Heckle and Jekyll. What are they? They're Oh, the counting crows. Not counting crows. Oh, the black, black crows. crows. Black crows. So shake your moneymaker yes. by the black crows. Yes. That's yes. right. That's yep. right. Yep. 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 So while there is a very famous uh, cover Great. on that album, yes. which we will definitely get to, um, they did not cover Elmore James's tune, by the way. Oh, okay. Though they've played it live many times, you know, just because yeah. Yeah. It, it was their, their debut album, um, but it wasn't on the album itself. Uh, by the way, real quick, though, as I was looking up the Elmore James stuff, I found another song called Shake Your Moneymaker. <laughs> Please tell me if you've ever heard this. All right. A little different than Mr. James. <laughs> maybe, maybe I have. Wait a minute. No, I have not. It does sound like some of the crap Mikey and I would listen yeah. to back yeah. in the day, but no, it does, I don't it's recall It's from it. 1996. It's from a band called Gillette, or just a, a gal named Gillette. I remember no, Gillette. Let me skip. Do you really, Mikey? Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you remember Gillette? Yep. So here's the Shake Your Money Maker. Again, I don't think a cover of the Elmore James. No, 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 no. no. Anyways, I just thought I'd play that just because uh, I thought that was funny. Not as and uh, not quite as bad as Yoko Ono's stuff that I had. Oh, that her was thing. amazing. Um, yeah. When my wife listened to that, she goes, "That wasn't real, was it?" I go, "No, honey, that that was real. She meant that. Absolutely real. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So I you, love. By the way, I really do like this band. There's at least three or four. Two or three songs I think are amazing songs. I yeah. think you're going to know at least three of the songs I play tonight. Okay. Um, but you know how I am, Jason. What do I always like to start off with? The, the uh, lead-off single. I mean, not, no, no, I'm sorry. The lead-off track. The lead-off track. How the album opens. And I got to tell you, this is one of the, for lead-off songs, even for a lead-off song, this is one of the very best. Really? Okay. Yep. yep. They are blues rocks. Slidey. Opening guitar riff here. It's in G. I love that F right there. Seventh chord. Yeah. Ooh. What a voice. Great voice. Little pre-chorus here. Great tune. So that's the chorus. So the name of the song is Twice as Hard. Okay. So that's what they're singing there in the chorus. Um, so a big reason that I chose this record is because the 90s, for the most part, it's like a music desert for me. Yeah, gotcha. It, it's a decade of grunge, which you guys know, and I'm on record here. I'm not a big fan of. Um, and then while I do like some hip-hop, the hard rap stuff. Yeah, it doesn't do it, it for you at all. It doesn't work yeah. for me. I never thought, yeah, it is kind of a lost decade for you. And then the, the 90s, you know. Sprinkles in a little. They were, in that. There was an era of like really slickly produced corporate pop stuff that I yeah. also don't really go for. Now, later, I would come to really like um, uh, Americana or, or um, alt-country, right? which I'd never heard of when I was in the 90s. No, we never like listened to any now. of that, yeah. 
Um, the other thing, you know, you're coming off the final vestiges of like the hair metal bands, um, like Poison, Cinderella, um, and those never really tickled my fancy either. So um, there was, there wasn't nearly enough of this, just a true rock record. No, there wasn't a lot of it. Can I ask you two quick questions? Yes. So you said 1990? February of 1990. Okay. So that's like maybe two years before where I span in the, in the 90s just because I was a little bit younger then. Right. And second question, do you think the Black Crows are slightly underrated or do I just not know them enough? I, I think they're pretty underrated, though. You know, this album, you know, for the most part is, it's their debut. It's probably also their high watermark. Right. They did have another song. Let me play for you real fast. That was in later in the 90s that you guys are probably going to recognize. Obviously not in this album. Yeah. This is one of the ones that Great I would mention. Yeah, phenomenal song. But in the same vein. Yeah. I, those chord changes, this is Remedy, right? This is Remedy. Yeah, this is one of my yep. favorites. The, the chords on this song are, are incredible. They use like three different organs. There's a piano in there. I mean, yep. instrumentally, it's absolutely a masterpiece. For me, I love this song. And his voice is killer. Absolutely killer. Absolutely killer. So I honestly thought that was on this album. No. Okay. Because nope. I have their greatest about, hits. It's definitely on the greatest yeah, hits. right. This album was about four years later after. Oh, after wow. This, I mean, I'm sorry. The album that Remedy was on yeah. was four years Four years after. after the one you're doing. Okay. Got it. So I would put this in my top 10 records of the 1990s, maybe even top five. Okay. Like other than maybe Radiohead and, like I said, some of the alt country from Wilco, I think this is just a fantastic record. Okay. Um, and the funny thing is, though, it wasn't until I listened to it recently on my journey, listened to all 1001 um, of the album She Must Hear Before You Die. It was actually last November that I really you know, said, this, this is what the 90s should have been. Yeah. So... I'm not sure we'll ever do a full podcast on the Black Crows. Um, I don't know that they have the, you know, even though they are probably somewhat underrated, I don't think they have the same. They're such a cult following, though, don't they? Kind of a cult following, um, but it was a pretty brief following, too. So they're a Southern band. They were formed in Atlanta in 1984. They were originally called Mr. Crow's Garden. Okay. Uh, The brothers, Chris Robinson, who he's the lead vocalist, and then Rich Robertson, who was that guy that delivered that gritty guitar Mm -hmm. uh, riff that we just heard. Those two were the founders. There's been a bunch of turnover, though, with all the other spots. And Chris and Rich have had their differences throughout the years, unlike me and my brother Michael here, who, you know, we've always been on the same page, right? Harmony. Um, But they broke up quite a few times and went through hiatuses. And um, so because of the brothers bickering back and forth, uh, even as of this recording, they're they're finally back together. Oh, wow. We'll see for how long. Yeah, gotcha. By the way, do you know uh, who, which famous actress Chris Robinson was married to? No, but you know what's funny? You, you, you say these things, and they're, they're there in my memory, like in the way back somewhere, because I remember when we were kids. Oh, Mikey knows. Do you no, want a hint? I don't Do you know. want a hint? Yeah. I should have said the almost famous actress. I was going to say Kate Hudson. It's Kate Hudson. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he was married to Kate Hudson for about seven years, from like nice. 2000 to 2007. Nice. Yep. All right, so Shake Your Moneymaker was their debut after six years of playing as a band and then three years working with record companies like A&M trying to get um, an album cut. Deaf American finally signed them and then produced the album. They were definitely neophytes, though, as Chris Robinson told Rolling Stone a few years back when they released the 30th anniversary of this album. Uh, he said, and I quote, looking back, the funniest thing is that it's a very sober record. Uh, this is the sessions that, which began in 1989 in their hometown of Atlanta, and the producer uh, was George Draculis on there. So then he goes on to quote again, we hadn't any money, even for a 12-pack. We ate off George's leftovers. We didn't have a food budget. We didn't have the money for weed or anything else, you know? He goes, so everything was going into the work. 
This album, however, though, would reach five-time multi-platinum status, which when all was said and done, um, obviously meant they weren't eating anybody's leftovers no. and they had all they the doing just weed fine. and 12 packs <laughs> yeah. and whatever else they wanted after that. Exactly. So. Exactly. The obvious parallel to these guys, as we mentioned earlier, is the Rolling Stones. And the Crows got some flack um, you know, from the, some of the snooty music critics back in 1990 for that, saying that they were just really? trying to emulate those guys. Yeah. Um, I never picked that up. I think the music's similar, but I didn't know about emulation. Well, and... I mean, unless, I, unless there's songs I don't know about that really... No, I, I, I mean, I, I think the sound is similar, but I agree. I don't think it's a direct... Yeah, like a rip-off. Yeah. yeah, right, right, right. And um, I'll, I'll get to that parallel with the Stones here in a little bit, but they also draw, draw some comparison with a band called The Faces. You know who The Faces are? Faces, you mean like Rod Stewart's original band? Rod Stewart, well, oh. it was originally The Small Faces, yeah. which were the guys from Humble Pie, and right. then they added Rod, Rod Stewart, Stewart yeah. and Ron Wood yeah. and became just regular Faces. Yeah. Uh, Great take, band. Take a listen to this one. See if you... Set. Here's some similarities. Oh, love this tune. Yes, I do hear similarities now that you say yeah. it. I don't, I, golly, I never thought of those things coming together. This is one of my favorite songs, maybe, of all time. The beat change? Yeah. Like when they're doing this fast part, and then they break it down with a little piano and then go down. Oh, it's so good. So this song is called Stay With Me yeah. by the Faces. Great. The piano right here. Yep. Love it. Mike, you know this one. Now I do. Yeah. Let's get forward to Roger real quick. Wow, there is really a lot of similarity. Don't say you love me. Yep. I mean, Chris Robinson sounds he really like does. Rod Stewart, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, wow, now that I hear it. think of it. Never thought about it until you just mentioned but it. But when you put them together? Yes. I love it. That's such a good tune. So again, that was Rod Stewart with Faces, Stay With Me. Uh, again, sounding like the Black Crows. Wow. Yep. All right. Next song from the album, Why I Love It. This is the lead single. Let's see if you know this one. I think you will. I didn't think this was the lead single. It was, it was the first one they wrote. I didn't, I didn't think so. Wow. Good tune. Yeah, so, I skip over yeah. this one too much. It's, I forgot about that song. So that's called Jealous Again. Another great opening gritty guitar riff. Yep. And I think what strikes me the most on this one, though, is the piano just clanging wonderfully in the background, right? They have a lot of that. Uh, a lot of their songs have that. Have that. Yeah. They that jangly like, piano back in the background somewhere. It's, you know, buried in the mix, but it's great. Well, so Deaf American brought in a absolute heavy hitter to oh, play really? piano on this album. Any, any idea who that might be? I knew it was going to be a question. Darn it. Um, no, you're going to have to give me a hint. There's too many to choose from. Played with Clapton. Um, he played oh. with the Almonds. He actually toured with the Almonds in the 70s. Uh, played with George Harrison. Uh, who is, uh, who, who, Bobby Whitlock? 
Nope. Oh. Uh, George Harrison hosts the second best post Beatles <laughs> album. <laughs> and oh, Jason, he also played with your wife's favorite guitar hunk. Oh, John Mayer. John Mayer. Uh, it, you know what? His name might not be that common. Tell me. It's funny. On Delta Airlines, they have a, um, a documentary about him. His name's Chuck Lavelle. Oh, I don't know that name. So he played on uh, Clapton's uh, Unplugged album. So you hear actually oh, really? Clapton a couple times call out Chuck. Oh, no kidding. I don't know that name. So even though I enjoyed the synth of the New Wave era, let me cut to Chuck just absolutely twinkling on these keys here. So good, I love it. It's just, just, just a nice little. Give me bluesy rock with some jangly piano, and I'm really happy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know, so I miss this kind of honky tonk, you know, twinkling of the ivories that had such a terrific accompaniment for rock and roll, right? Love it, yeah. Um, and then you gotta love the guitar riff on the bridge here, or at least I do. Faith in you. That's Rich don't you think I want to? Don't you think I would? Don't you think I'll tell you, baby, if I only could? Am I acting crazy? Am I just too proud? Am I just plain lazy? And here comes that piano. Love it. Yeah, it's great. So I talked about the Stones and Exile on Main Street. And how there's definitely some some similarities again, not not emulation necessarily, but but uh, but certainly some similarities. And in as much as there is faces too, yeah. that whole genre, let me, it's you know. And, and let me play this one from Exile, which oh, okay. I don't think I played when I did the album originally. Go ahead, play it. I'll tell you. No. This is called Rip This Joint. Yeah. Definite similarities. Yeah. Definitely. So, yep, you get the bluesy guitar riff and the saloon-like piano. Um, so this album was Roots of Rock, right? Exxon Main Street. I think that's exactly what the Crows were going for here as well. So Jealous, again, even though it did receive some solid airplay on MTV, the reason you probably didn't think it was the lead single, it only reached number 75 on the Billboard Top 100. Okay. So... They yeah. released it first, but it would be some of the other songs that came I know later. the song that I remember hearing first, and I'm sure you're going to play it. And I remember that. I figured as much that that was the lead uh, single, but I guess not. Well, I think here's the song that really put them on the map. Love it. Yep. Yeah. I'm never sad when I hear this. They absolutely killed it. Everything about this song I like. Do you like it as much as I do? I, I do like it a lot. This single? Yeah, I love it. And the name of the song? Hard to handle. Hard to handle. Yeah. Do you want? You're going to talk about where it came from? Absolutely. I hope. Okay, thank you. So, of course, that is hard to handle, um, which is a cover. Mikey, did you know uh, it was a cover? I did not. You did not. So, not a cover of the Elmore James tune. You know, <laughs> shake your moneymaker. Um, but they did cover a guy who, like James Brown, 
who Jason just chronicled in the last uh, podcast we did, this guy would absolutely be also on my 60s Mount yeah, Rushmore of Soul. For sure. So let me play you the original. Mike, see if you know this one or if you know who did it. It's so good, too. This is not as good, I don't think, but it's oh. just more stripped and soulful and real. Come on, Jason, that voice. It's so good, I know, I know, but what they did with it made it just, ugh. I don't know which one I like better. Sometimes I like his, sometimes I like theirs. I mean, it sounds like Otis to me. It's Otis. Okay. Yeah, this is Otis right. It's Otis originally did. Listen, listen, listen. Boys and things will come by the that ain't nothing but drugs it's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Never heard this. Oh, it's you never so heard good. this? No, not this version. Oh, it's so good, Mikey. All right. So you got to spend some time with that, Mikey. It's great. Yeah, a- absolutely. So, you know, instead of a guitar riff on that, like you get with the Crows, you know, they start off with the skins and playing, playing on the drums, and then you get um, that guitar riff later, uh, and then and some excellent piano there. But and the horns and then the horns the horns make the horns a big difference are, the horns too are key yeah but i think otis's voice is it is chris robinson's voices oh i mean come on you i know but it's otis. one's a soul song one's a rock song well so this tune you know i think overall the, the one that the crows did it gives the album more soul right than it would yeah. have had otherwise yeah. um and i think that's what catapults it into one of the very best albums of the 90s so that you you get not beyond just the rock and roll you're also getting some of the soul uh, they do a great job with the song but I will say it would never make my covers that are better than the original if no, we ever did the no, podcast. No, no, but it's I think they were damn close. It's, it's very close. close. Very it's good. very yeah. close. Yeah, they're diff- um, they're just different. But this song actually reached number uh, forty-five on the That's Hot all? 100. That's it. No kidding. Yep. I would have thought it was top ten. Well, yeah. again, I think because it played a lot on MTV as well. Okay. And it was also then re-released after the final single, which I will play for you here in a little bit. Why would they do that? It got re-released yeah. because I think because the final single went went highest of all of them. It did. It did. Yeah. No so, kidding. Yeah, we'll, huh. play that, we'll play that in a second. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, by the way, have you done a notice writing podcast yet? You did. Yeah. Okay. So we did it as a mystery artist. I gave a bunch of facts oh. to both Seth and Matt, and I said, "All right, you guys just tell me when you know." And they didn't know. Like nobody knows about Otis. Wow. His history, where he came from, how he started. It's just really sad. I just think he's underrated and then died so early. Right. There was a period of time, literally, we talk about it in the podcast, where he was the highest uh, voted male entertainer in about 68 or 69, even higher than Elvis at the time. Yeah. And, and yeah, he, I, know, I know. He did write his own yes, songs. Yes, he wrote his own songs. Yeah. All right. So we've had blues. We've had the down and dirty rock, and we've had a little soul now. What else does a true rock record need? It needs a ballad. You're speaking my language. Here, Here we, we go. go. This is a terrific one, too. It is a great tune. It's, it's my favorite song by them. Is it? For sure. It's a great song. It's a great song. That 12-string is awesome. Yeah. So the name of the song is called She Talks to Angels. Great tune. She never mentions the word addiction. Yeah, great. This got higher? Yeah. Wow. I wouldn't have guessed that. Hmm. Yes, she 
tell you she's the build on this song oh yeah is incredible after you meet her family how do you know mikey how do you know it? You just know it from like radio and stuff, or did yeah, you, MTV. you never had the album or anything? No, right? never no? had the album. Yeah. Hey, that organ. Great. Oh. Oh. Your favorite on the album? No, the opener's my favorite. Open. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But this is up there for sure. Yeah, it's a great tune. It, it, it really completes the album, I think. Having, yeah. Having this ballad. Yeah. Where is it on the album? It's number seven of ten tracks. Okay. Voice. My gosh. Great voice. Belted out there. Great tune. So uh, it, it's apparently a song that Chris Robinson wrote back in the mid 80s about a goth girl that he was acquainted with that was really into heroin. Oh, wow. All right. Are you ready for my anecdote? Yes, I am. For, for, the, uh, for the podcast here? Yeah. All right. Let's go back 32 years okay. when a young Kevin was preppy. He was a preppy and nerdy high school sophomore <laughs> at the time. So my friend JD was the first of us guys that obtained the coveted driver's license. Okay. Now, that is a document that um, because of the internet and social media and the fact our kids are so electronically wired to their friends, like it doesn't have the same, you know, cachet that it did back then. Like, remember, we could not wait to get our, our driver's license. Couldn't wait. Yep. That was yeah. like the most important thing. Literally Huge. counting the days, I remember. I mean, my 19-year-old yeah. still doesn't have it. My daughter got it pretty early on, um, but still. But it wasn't like the day but of. it wasn't the, the day, day of. Yeah. Right? For sure. Yeah. Mike, when your daughter got her permit, it wasn't the day of, right? No, nope. I mean we all went the day. The of. day of, there was yeah. no, you know, yeah. we weren't waiting. There was, I remember kids that it would fell on a weekend. They were like, I have to wait till Monday, and they were yes. like really upset. Yeah. So anyway, so JD being the first guy to have the have a car, he was the toast of the town. Um, <laughs> one weekend, one Friday night, he calls up me and another buddy, um, and he had two young ladies with him. One who had just broken up with her long time long term boyfriend, which by long term at that point it was like six months, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, which was an eternity. Yeah. To us back then, um, her name was Erica. Okay. And she was on the rebound. And let me tell you, this young lady, she was quite fetching. Fetching. <laughs> One of the choicest girls in our grade. Now, in contrast, there was me. who I was not necessarily a comely young man. And uh, this is when I had hair and was about 50 pounds lighter. So, you know, I haven't improved with age, unlike wine. But I still had the gift of gab back then. So thus I wooed Erica during our outing with our friends at Clearwater Beach that evening, that Friday night. Asked her out at the end of the night. There's another thing. Ask, ask no, somebody no, out. That doesn't exist. Do they, they don't do that. Like, I don't even know what they call it. It's not no. obviously what going do you do? steady. Text, text them and snap them. I, I right? have no idea. Yeah. So we were able to have um, another multiple person date the next night. Thanks to JD. Okay. And I spoke with her probably five times on the actual phone on Sunday. <laughs> so it seems like we're going to be quite the item. So I'm feeling like the king of the mountain, all excited to demonstrate our newfound love to the whole school on Monday, except I can't find her anywhere Monday morning. Uh-oh. Nor that afternoon, yet one of her friends about, you know, fifth period, I think we had six periods back then, um, said she wanted to talk to me before school let out. 
Yes, I was being unceremoniously dumped oh, after less than no. 72 hours. <laughs> she clearly had buyer's remorse, and uh, she ended up eventually going back to her other boyfriend. Oh. But, uh, you know, I was crushed, as any 15-year-old would be at the time, who thought he had ascended uh, Olympus to score Aphrodite, only to realize that uh, I was smited with the lightning bolt and returned to the land of mere mortals. So sad. So what does it have to do with the song? About seven months later, when we were filling out yearbooks, Erica grabbed mine and ended up writing the first verse and the chorus to this tune. Come on. As if this somehow <laughs> atoned for her quick d- dismissal of, of my affection. Um, I don't think she really knew what the song was about, yeah, I was obviously. Say. Yeah. But because it was so popular at, at the time, this is right when it came out, kind of. It was 91. Right. Um, so it was, it was popular and, and uh, you know, it was about a girl talking to angels. I think she thought maybe I would be comforted. In this confession, that is that is really neat. So, did you know the song prior to her re- to writing that? Yeah, because uh, oh, okay, my, our one buddy. Because it might be really weird. If you <laughs> no, 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 no. I, no, I knew it. I, I knew it. Um, our buddy Duff, who used to uh, he used to drive me to school back then. Um, he he loved this album. So oh, okay, gotcha. All right, let's talk accolades real quick for the album. It is on the one one thousand one albums you must hear before you die, as I mentioned. Awesome, thank you. Rolling Stone only gave it three out of five stars though when it came out. With the crust- Did it grow into... Well, with the crusty re- reviewer saying, you know, the kind of streamlined, super tight groove album that bar band dreams are made of. Huh. So that's kind of a backhanded compliment, It is, right? yeah. Yet the readers of Rolling Stone later that year would vote The Crows as the best new band of 1990 and their album as the best new album um, of 1990. Gotcha. So, however, in Entertainment Weekly, another guy, his name's Dave Marsh, he wrote, and I quote, the Black Crows are to the early Rolling Stones what Christian Slater is to a young Jack Nicholson. A self-conscious imitation, but fine enough in its own right. Authentic bluesmen like these crows will never be, but their sheer energy earns them the right to trash it up. Wow. So the crows, however, would have the last laugh as they sold 5.125 million copies, which put them at number 19 for the entire year. So they sold... Wow. And a lot yeah. of the... It's funny, a lot of the albums that year, like Madonna's Immaculate Collection okay. was number one. She sold yeah. like 30 million. There was a uh, Elton John had a Greatest Hits album. So there was a lot of Greatest Hits stuff. Mariah Carey, her debut album was... I think, okay. Or maybe it was her second album came out that year. So um, they were in with a lot of competition for... Yeah, album, but, but yeah. still, 19's... Pr- I mean, pretty good, because the only rock album... Like, the only pure rock album that wasn't a Greatest Hits album that was higher... That was ACDC's um, The Razor's Edge, and they were at number uh, 16. Oh, wow. So, Five million units in a year, though, back then is, five, is huge, yeah, right? Big, big, big number, big number. So you wow. know, I think they ended up having the last laugh, and uh, like I said, they ranked no less than number 10 in my top 10 albums of the entire decade of the 1990s. That's fair. So, That's fair. You know. All right, I'm going to take you guys out. I'm wondering if I know any more of the songs on the album now. Those were the three I thought of. And the, did you know the uh, the, the opener? opener? No, right. Mm-mm. All right. So I'm going to take you out on a tune that has outstanding arpeggios and adds yet another another genre. So there's those arpeggios. Which I love. You love arpeggios. I you love. really do. Mike, arpeggios are just a chord that's played individual notes. Got it. So, ooh, ooh, like that. Oh, you know me with the organ. You you won me over. Ready. Let me cut towards what is kind of the last genre I think that they explore here on this record. Okay. Is it country? Or is it gospel? Years gospel? Because there is a fine line with gospel and blues. Everything Real fine line. I won't believe. 
So you'll hear that here in just a second. Just want to thank you guys for letting me share this record and hope you guys now see how it rocks. Yeah. It rolls. It's blues. It's soul and gospel. And while it may not be something deep like from John Lennon, it was a momentous album for those of us who love rock and roll in the early 90s. Influenced by many of the greats. Well done, Kev. Thank you so much for doing that. And uh, great album. We will see you next time. So this song is Seen Things.